Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, July 12th, 2021. So glad to have you be a part of the podcast. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, although we welcome all the realtors, builders, and all the others that are part of the industry to be listening. But we're so grateful to have you as our listening audience. We are committed to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And we've got an exciting topic today in the Hot Topic segment. We've got Dr. Cindy McGovern joining us, CEO of Orange Leaf Consulting. We're going to be talking about sales and how sales is a life skill. We're talking about her recently published book, published by McGraw-Hill. Every job is a sales job. You're going to enjoy the hot topic today, folks. Hey, I want to give a special shout out to my daughter. And she just summited. That means climbed Mount Baker in Washington State. I'm looking at a picture she texted me. Did that yesterday. It is quite a feat to do that. And she works at Willowbend Mortgage. And she and her team are avid listeners to the Looking and Lending podcast. So kudos to Laura Renee Licken for summiting Mount Baker in uh, Washington State, did it yesterday. Perfect weather, perfect skies. The pictures are amazing that she got. Real, real, real proud of her and her accomplishment. So what have you accomplished? Can't wait to hear from you all. Tell us about what your family's doing. Love to share all that out there. Sorry, I couldn't do it. Couldn't resist. Proud daddy here. All right. So a special thank you goes out to industrysyndicate.com. They do a great job of bringing you a host of number of podcasts. I encourage you to go out and listen to or look at that website and look at all the other podcasts that are available out there. Also, as a special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Be sure to sign up and be a part of the Mortgage Bankers of America. Yes, but also make sure you're using the Mortgage to Action Alliance application. You have your voice heard on the Hill. It's a way we can, uh, our small organization, really, mortgage bankers compare in comparison to the numbers and the size of NAR with National Real Estate, National Association of Realtors, and the builders. So we need to have our voice heard. And the way to do it is have all of us have ourselves armed with the National Mortgage Alliance app, MAW app, where you get it downloaded from your favorite Play Store. Download it, use it, have your voice heard. Also, Finasco, the Mortgage Bot Solution, does a great job of empowering you, the mortgage lender, to a fully integrated approach to mortgage lending and simplifies the borrower experience and streamlines the process. For all the mortgage lenders, we're so grateful for Finastra and their team. Again, third largest fintech company in the world. Got to check them out. They've got some pretty cool stuff doing, especially in the banks and credit union space, but they're just as powerful inside of the independent mortgage banking world. Also, Lenders One, Justin Molia, we had him on just recently, June 28th. Go listen to that interview. Very interesting, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. Tom Galuzzi, we're working on having another update with TMC, and we're grateful for their sponsorship, as well as the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, as well as Incelerate, in the business of helping lenders close more loans. They do so with their CRM and engagement platform built for the mortgage industry by mortgage professionals. Josh Friend, who will listen to the interview we did with him on June 21st. 
was a good one. Great information. All those downloads just soaring on Josh's stuff because there's so much great practical information. He's down in Southern California. Appreciate you, Josh. Also, Knowledge Group, Ken Perry and the group there do a great job of empowering you through a wonderful learning management system, LMS. Encourage you to check out knowledgegroup.com. Also, we had last week Ben Turlink on with Mobility MMI, Mortgage Market Intelligence. Check out the latest way to recruit top LOs as well as connect with the realtors. We talked about that on how to connect with the realtors using Mobility MMI. Also, one of their competitors is a sponsor of ours, and I don't see them as a competitor. It's Modex. I'm talking about a unique organization, a unique technology that complements Mobility MMI. So we use both of them, to be honest with you. And uh, we think they're both powerful. They're both affordable. So check out Modex on our website as well. I'm going to have Dale Larson uh, on the podcast soon. Also, special thank you goes to Rob, Les, Alice, Alan, and Matt for their contributions each and every week. Welcome to the Hot Topic segment of the Lickin' on Lending podcast. We've got Dr. Cindy McGovern, CEO of Orange Leaf Consulting, joining us. Dr. Cindy McGovern, she's also known as the First Lady of Sales. She's published a really great book that I enjoy, and it's Every Job is a Sales Job. Here's one of the reasons what caught my attention about this book is, first of all, you're going to enjoy her her personality. She never saw herself as a salesperson. And I wonder how many operational people listening to this podcast go, ugh, ick, I hate sales. I don't like salespeople. What? We're all sales. And that's what our book is about. It's a five-step formula to help you be successful. The reason I'd say, for those of you that don't think you're in sales, the reality is you're all in sales. We're going to talk to her about that. And so welcome to the podcast, Dr. Cindy. Good to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you having me on. And yes, I never wanted to be in sales. Nobody ever believes that, but it's true. Yeah. Well, it's hard to believe, especially when you're now known as the first lady. <laughs> and when you meet you, you find out, are you kidding? You never thought you were in sales. Listen to your personality. Go, go listen to yourself. You're just bubbly and, and you're just a natural communicator, which is interesting because you were also the professor of communications and you have a doctorate in organizational uh, communication. And, and where did you get your doctorate degree, by the way? I always want to honor the university. Uh, absolutely. I got it at Florida State University, and I oh, thought I was yeah. bound to be a college professor. And so that's what I did before I went into consulting. Well, and now you're located in the Bay Area of San Francisco area, are you not? Is that correct? I am. I am. My okay. husband's job brought us out here a few years back, and we're still here. So, yes. Yeah. Florida to the Bay Area. So, anyway, <laughs> tell us a little bit. Before we get into talking about your book and Orange Leaf Consulting, some of the things you're doing, tell us a little bit about yourself. We now know that you got your degree. We knew you decided that you moved from there, but a little bit more about yourself, just so people can get to know you, Cindy. Absolutely. So, when I went to school, I thought I was bound to be a college professor, as I mentioned, and loved teaching, always loved that, and then went into consulting full-time, realized I preferred teaching adults. When I got into that job, was pushed into a sales role not long after I had gotten there, and I went kicking and screaming. I was like, I can't do sales. Those folks think fast on their feet, and they're always on, and that's just not me. I can't do that. I'm a researcher. I'm a PhD. And once I got into that role, I realized I had actually been selling my entire life. I just didn't call it sales. I called it convincing or persuading or collaborating. And the light bulb went off, and I thought, how the heck do I have three degrees and I was never taught this? And that's what led me to write the book was, this is the book I wish somebody had given me when I was 20. It's really not a, a business skill. It's a life skill sales is. And 
We use it every day. What cracks me up, one of your uh, people that's in the front of your book that commented is Diana Booher. She made a comment in here. She says, even those readers who claim to be allergic to selling will soon <laughs> adopt I can do this attitude after a plethora of examples and tips that Dr. Cindy gives in the book. So there's some great write-ups in the book. I've read the book. There's some great tools and tips in these things. But I want to start off with this question. Why do you think there's so many people that have a negative image of sales? It's true. A lot of people think, oh, I don't want to talk about salesmen. Can I talk to someone else, please? It's absolutely true. And that was literally my version of sales. I kind of had an avatar in my mind. I call him Tommy Two Thumbs. And he's the used <laughs> car sales guy in the plaid pants coming across the lot. Uh, What's it going to take to get you in this car? And that's the avatar we all have of salespeople for the most part. And it's reinforced in media. It's reinforced in movies and television shows. And so we think sales is this manipulative, pushy thing Tommy Two Thumbs does. We don't think of sales being getting your kid to eat broccoli. That's actually yeah. a sales conversation. That is. For sure. <laughs> what about people say, I'm not a salesperson? Touch on that. I would understand where they're coming from because they, again, don't identify with Tommy Two Thumbs. But here's the thing. If you ever convince your spouse to go for pizza instead of Chinese, you convinced your boss to give you an extra day on a deadline, you convinced your doctor's office to squeeze you in for an appointment, you're selling people. Mm -hmm. It's just, you're not calling it that sales piece. And I think people get a little bit sideways because they think, oh, sales is a super formal, super on thing over here. No, you are literally doing this on a daily basis, but it's really embracing the fact that you're already doing it, you're doing it successfully, and you've been doing it literally your entire life. I mean, if you've ever met a five-year-old, they're the best salespeople on the planet. <laughs> we were all five at some point. They do have a way of communicating and getting their way. But anyway, just listening to you, our chit-chatty, you're outgoing, you're bubbly. You pick up that immediately. But what about the people who are not naturally outgoing or talkative? I mean... Does everyone typically identify with those of us who are more chatty? You know, I think a lot of people think salespeople have to be chatty. But what's funny is most mm -hmm. of the really good salespeople that we come in contact with, like when we're consulting, are actually more introverted because the introverts make better listeners. Extroverts, we want to talk. Uh -huh. <laughs> introverts sit, they're inquisitive, they ask questions, they're curious. And yes, and that's one of the biggest skills in sales is listening. So it doesn't have to be that on persona. It really is just about being curious and understanding what the other person needs. Again, as I said at the beginning, encourage many of our listeners to buy this book for your operational people, because I think if you have a processor, I'm thinking, you think my daughter just submitted Mount Baker. She's more of a quiet person. She would definitely not say, I am not a salesperson. <laughs> Please don't identify me with that. But Alice, you have many people in your organization on the upside who you've been consulting to for years who would identify the same. What questions might you have for Dr. Cindy? Well, hello. It's so great to have you on the program because I think the same way. I think people in any role, especially in mortgage banking, even if you're not necessarily selling something, even a processor or an underwriter, you're communicating with a loan officer who then has to go sell it to the borrower, right? So yes. sometimes it's that in-between skill. So why do you believe that sales is a life skill? Well, I do think it's something that should be taught in high school because of exactly what you just said. We're selling people on an idea every day. And even if you don't come in contact directly with a consumer or the customer, and I'm using air quotes, your internal customer is in fact your customer. You're selling it to the underwriter. You're selling it to your colleague that you need five more minutes to figure this thing out. It truly is that 
skill set that we all use on a daily basis. We just don't even realize we're using it. And I think it's funny because if you go back to school and you think we did math, okay, use math every day. We learn to read, we use reading every day. We learn English classes, reading, writing, arithmetic, all those things. Nobody ever taught you that the first thing you do when you graduate is go on a job interview. That is nothing more than a sales conversation. And you will do this for the rest of your life in interviewing potential customers, getting that promotion. All of that is sales. That is so true. And Alice, I'm thinking about all the times of all the people that we've talked to over the years. And I think some of the ones that are the best are great listeners. And Alice, you're an awesome listener. And so as well as communicator. But what are the things that people can do to look for those opportunities to sell every day. You're sitting in an operational job, which is kind of a head down, a task oriented job. How can they look for every opportunity to sell? I think it's a great question. And I think everything in sales begins with a good plan. What's that operational person's plan? Is it that they are looking, maybe it's personal advancement, professional advancement. Maybe it's just the fact that they want to be left alone to do their job in the time frame that they want to do it in. You got to sell somebody on that. You got to sell somebody on not calling you every five minutes to check up and make sure you're doing your job. You got to sell somebody on not emailing you and then texting you and then calling you when they didn't get a response. So you think about that plan is, okay, this is what I actually want to do. And then looking for those opportunities is how will you handle it when it comes up? So when that person, let's say, does call you and say, hey, where's this? You can either respond and say, I'm working on it. Leave me alone. Or you can get that person bought into what your vision is, which is I'm trying to get this done for you. I'm going to do my very best. I'm working on the deadline. Please give me this time to work on this. So you're selling them on the idea to basically give you some space. And that's a sales conversation, but a lot of people don't look at it as sales. They think of it as persuading them or convincing them. Same thing. Absolutely yeah. same thing. It really gets into a lot of influence. Alan, to you into this conversation? Hey, we just watched your last company just get sold. So I'd love to hear all the steps that went into that. I'd let you join in on this conversation. Yeah, sure. One, fantastic to talk to you. So thanks for being here and sharing your insight. So everybody is a salesperson, right? No matter what department you're in or what kind of company or even what you do externally, you're all part of the process in general and what people their expectations are, but how do you find opportunities? So what would you suggest maybe are things that people can do to look for opportunities to sell every day? Depends on who your customer is or who you're defining as your customer. So if it's an internal colleague and you're trying to sell them on the fact that you can handle more responsibility or the fact that maybe now, right, with everything that's going on, you can't handle more responsibility in the time frame that they're looking for. So you look for that chance to plant a seed that gets you closer to your goal. It planting that seed of saying, I can or I can't, or here's why it's not going to work for you, or here's why this is going to be a better plan of attack. And it's interesting because it does go back to that planning phase. Like I said, what's the end goal in mind that you have? So if you're looking for an opportunity on a daily basis, let's just go back to true sales growth of your business. That's the easiest thing, right? Look at that and say, okay, how many potential customers do I come in contact with every single day? It's not just the person that's going to get the mortgage. It's everybody else that has influence. Every single person you come in contact with is a walking commercial for you and your company. And the interaction that you have with them actually writes the script for the commercial they're going to go tell. And you want to leave them with that really lasting impression that this was a good thing. I mean, think about how we even talk about what we do. Are people sitting around talking about their mortgages at a cocktail party? Probably not. But how do you insert that into the conversation so that people know who you are, what you do, and why it matters? And those are the ways to look for those opportunities for looking to grow your business. 
And another piece is even just in interacting with your current customer base. So often we feel like if we do a good job, they'll come back. If we do a good job, they'll go tell people. Well, we're giving people way too much credit <laughs> if that's what we're expecting. We're basically saying our service is going to speak for itself. And in the book, I talk about the fact that I don't like the word customer service because it's this like sort of thing out in the ether that's defined so differently by so many different people. But if I'm looking for an opportunity to make your day, and I'm looking for an opportunity to give you a story to tell about your interaction with me or my company that's going to shine us in a great light. That's a different goal in mind, and that's how you take advantage of that opportunity when I have this interaction with you. And I say, okay, instead of sending back the email saying I'm on it, it's, Alan, I'm really working on getting this done for you so that we can actually get this closed. I'm on it. I will get back to you before the end of the day. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I, I want to give a shout out to my assistant, Cherry Ramoller. She does an amazing job of selling every single email. And you ask her if she's a salesperson, she goes, no, do not identify nope. me. But when she responds, Dave is going to get back to you. Dave is going to do this. Dave is and it's just it's constantly selling. And it's such a powerful thing, which really gets into some of the steps. Now, again, your five-step process, which we've already talked about, one of them, which is, the plan. The other one is to look for opportunity. We kind of touched on them, but touch on the other three, if you wouldn't mind. Of the five steps, walk through those real quickly. Yeah. So it's planning and looking for opportunities. And once you actually have that plan in place, you'll actually start noticing opportunities are everywhere. I call it the psychological phenomenon. It's called the blue car syndrome. You buy a blue car, mm -hmm. you start noticing them everywhere. Same thing happens when you have a more solid plan in place. And then the third step is about listening and establishing trust with whoever it is you're interacting with, because that's the other thing that gives sales this icky connotation. Nobody likes to be sold. I don't like to be sold. I don't like to sell people. In fact, I don't. What I do is I invite them to buy. And if you change your mindset around that and listen to what the other person is needing, if it is that person that needs you to respond to that email, Sherry hears that. She understands that. She reads that and she says, what, David has moved this to the top of his list. It is a priority. He will get back to you. But she's managing that expectation. We can't manage expectations unless we solicit information and listen. And that's how you establish trust within that sales process, too, because that's really the crux of it. We want our clients to trust us. We want our colleagues to trust us. Listen. And then that leads you to the fourth step, which is asking. And this is the one that even the seasoned sales pros listening today, yep. I know you guys think you do this. You know, this is the most often skipped. You know this. So true. This is the one where we think we're asking because we say things like, keep us in mind or love to see you again, love to work with you next time. Okay, that's not even a question. It's not even an invitation. That's a statement. So how do we ask them and invite them to come back? And if everybody takes one thing out of this book, David, that's the piece that I'd like for them to take, yep. is remembering just to ask. You were talking about the blue car syndrome, which is often referred to as the RAS, which is a reticular activating... Yep system, a part of our brain, love brain science and how we start recognizing things. And these are basic skills that many of us have had throughout our lives. You're talking about the five-year-old convincing mom or dad, give him or her, whatever they're looking for and things like that. So what about those people who are not customer facing? I work in the back office. I work down on the stacks. I work in technology. I'm not in sales or are they? They absolutely are. And it's funny, when the book came out and I was sort of doing the book tour aspect, somebody had asked me in a quiz, they said, tell me what each job is. They threw jobs at me and one of them was janitor. And they're like, how is a janitor selling? And yeah. I said, 
guys, this is a layup. Give me a better one than this because the janitor is selling based on their interaction. When they see somebody walk past them in the hallway, even if they're not customer-facing, the work that they do, it, it's the way that we see the impression of your office when a customer walks in is based on what that janitor did the day before and what they did overnight. And it's selling through action, not just selling through speech. And uh, yeah. we do it all day. We do it every day. We just, again, don't call it sales. Yep. That's so good. That's what I wanted to really draw out. I think you gave a great example in your book when you had your air conditioning breakdown and you were watching DC <laughs> at the time and you had a guy come out. He's a experienced HVAC guy. And yet you said in your book, I'm chatty, so I was talking up and I happened to mention my furnace wasn't working and it was water. I can't remember what it was. There was some must malfunction about it. But you brought it up to him and he was just saying, well, let me check that while I'm here. Let me take a look at that. I mean, it's that opportunity to show interest. Now, you have a doctorate in communications. How much of what we're talking about is really communications, which over half of that is listening. Talk about how that fits in. And maybe that education was, that doctor degree is really what the crux of what you're doing here. It's funny. But again, in all of those degrees that I got, sales was never mentioned. And it truly <laughs> is sales. It was until I got into a sales career that I realized, oh, wait a second, this is how everything fits together. But yeah, in the book, I talk about Ben, who was the HVAC guy. But what was funny is when I mentioned it to him, he just wanted the help. He didn't yeah. look at this as, oh, I'm going to sell her something else. He just said, oh, I'm here. Let me take a look at this. And when he did, realized it needed to be repaired and then made a sale. And I think that's the piece where we leave so much business on the table because we're not as curious as we could be. And that happens mm -hmm. so often when we're super busy, which is yep. right now. Everybody. Oh, man. And the mortgage industry has been crazy busy. And, and you talk in your book about give and take. That, first of all, this is almost rhetorical, is this book for salespeople? Well, yes, it could help them, but it's really written to the non-salesperson. Is that correct? Absolutely. In my dedication, I dedicate the book to anyone who has ever said, I'm not a salesperson. And then just as a point of clarification, why do you say every job is a sales job? Well, you're not going to get the job without an interview, which I said, that is absolutely a sales job. But even just working within your colleagues, even working with one another and teamwork. And even if you're in the back office and you think you work solo, you don't because something that you do in that relay of what the organization does, whether it's mortgage, real estate, building, whatever, what you do affects sort of a domino piece. You're selling to that next domino. Yeah. And I think what's really the misconception where we get the ick part, that's you're using your language in your book here, or the sales that's just repulsive is when the concept is, is trying to get you to do something you don't want to do. When in reality, if we're really listening, which is the art of communication, uh, which is the most difficult part, the most unfocused part on selling. And that really comes into giving and taking, because if we're really getting into effective job of listing, we're listing for opportunities and we're trying to listen for that place where we can go make a difference. Talk about how give and take goes into this. You touched on that in your book. With givers and takers, there's several books on that out there. Some of my favorite books. Yeah, I really believe that sales is a true win-win. And I know that term is thrown around, but I don't yeah. ever want to sell you something you don't need. And mm -hmm. I'm not going to. In our consulting firm, we don't do that. If we're not a fit for you, we'll walk away and we'll probably send you to somebody who can help you. Mm -hmm. But it's looking at the give and take, meaning both sides should be benefiting from this. Because if they're not, that's when it's manipulative. That's when it's the Tommy Two yep. Dumbs kind of sale. 
and you feel it in your gut when you've been sold. You see that feeling, and it's not a good one. You never want someone else to have that feeling after an interaction with you. But what we do have to do is when you're looking for those opportunities and you're listening, it's soliciting that information to figure out what it is they're trying to get at. And email is one of the most wonderful inventions in business and also one of the most evil, right, because we all read it differently. And so much of what we do in business is communication by email. We have to remember that every interaction is actually a transaction. Every email you send, you're selling them on something. You're selling them on the fact that, yes, you're working on this, or no, you haven't gotten what you needed back from the underwriter, or whatever it is, you're selling that other person. And so often, we don't think of it as that. Yeah, and so I'm listening to you. Are you almost redefining communications as the process of selling? Are you weaving those two together? Because when we're saying we're communicating, I'm just trying to give an update. I'm not trying to sell you. Where is the opportunity in that? I mean, what are you helping people wake up to in sending that email? And what is the opportunity? I really want people to get I actually think the opportunity is to sell them on what it is you want them to know, to understand, or to do or not do. In that email, it is that transactional aspect, because it's a relationship business. What we do, mortgage is absolutely a relationship. And you're creating an opportunity to sell them on an idea. And if it it is that email piece of, hey, I need five more minutes, or hey, this isn't going to happen, or whatever it is, you have to give that context of showing them how this is good for them. And so often, if it is that update email, it's, hey, I just wanted to do this. Well, ban the word just from your vocabulary, first of all. Be definitive. I want to give you an update that I'm still waiting on this. Here's what I'm doing about it, and I will get back to you at this time. That reduces anxiety. That's what you're selling. That's what you're providing. Alice, let's get back to you with some questions that you might have. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting question. So many companies have so much friction with the technology group, and there's a lot of non-believers. So when you talk about selling internally, not always externally, do you maybe have some suggestions? And I bring this up just because as I'm listening to the conversation, I think you may be able to help because... As I mentioned earlier today, every lender, everyone is a tech company, and everyone struggles with tech people. And tech people sometimes struggle with the rest of the organization. Maybe you have some great words of wisdom as far as selling and how to bridge those two big giant bodies of land. Well, the tech one, it's not dissimilar to when people say, I'm not in sales. They'll say, well, I'm not techie. I can't understand this stuff. This is is new fan-dangled things, right? And I see it too in our industries as well. And so... The challenge is you have to help them to see where they're already successful. The opportunity for you to sort of sell them on the idea of tech is to show them what they're already doing. I mean, I can't name a single person that I know that doesn't have a smartphone. Maybe they don't use it as a smartphone, but they have one. They can actually turn it on. They can use the video chat, especially over the last year. Everybody's using video chatting. You remind them of how they're already doing this well, and then you start selling them on the idea that this is going to help them to reach whatever their goal is better, more effectively, more efficiently, faster. So if you're trying to get people to adopt technology, part of it is getting them to recognize, number one, the benefits for them, how it's going to be good for them, and number two, that they're already successful at doing something similar. And then the third thing is show them how to make it easy for them to be successful doing this. And that's another piece with the sales piece. If you want your operational people to sell, whether it's proactively customer-facing or even internally, you have to remind them that they're already good at this, and this is going to benefit them. If people don't understand what's in it for them, that's why they don't do it. They're like, oh, well, that's the salespeople's job, or that's the tech people's job, or that's the younger generation's job. No, no, no. This helps 
all of us to get closer to the goal. This helps all of us to reach whatever goal we put in place for the organization, and this is going to make your life easier along the way. And tech is something I could not agree with you more, Alan. Every company is a sales company and every company is a tech company. I wholeheartedly agree. But I think the way technology is sold is more mandated. It's we're going to do this now. This is the mm-hmm. way it's going to be versus getting buy-in from your team. You got to sell them on the idea first. Yeah, great point. I agree. Yeah, we've got some questions coming in from our listeners, which I want to get to in just a minute. But Alice, I want to head over to you. Any questions you have as we go along in this discussion? Yeah, I just have a quick question. Can you give us an example of what you mean by an unofficial sale? Yeah, so I call these kind of the hey, by the way, sale in my book. And the unofficial sale is the one where there wasn't a predicted outcome. It wasn't a scheduled something that you were trying to do. It was an opportunity that arose. And it's the unofficial sale of making someone's day so that you're leaving them with that walking away commercial, that lasting impression of something amazing. And we make unofficial sales all day, every day, because kind of like Ben in my book, he was just checking out the furnace. He wasn't trying to sell me something. We're constantly doing that, but we have to remember that every interaction is an opportunity to leave them with a lasting impression. And those unofficial sales add up. And we also have to remember that we're unofficially selling to our colleagues every day, too, and we're creating our personal brand at work, and we're creating our reputation at work. And all of those emails, all of those chats on Slack or whatever it is you're using, all add up to their impression of you. You're selling them on who you are and what you do and why you can or can't be trusted. And those are unofficial sales all day, every day. Do you suggest that people use something like Grammarly so at least their grammar in those quick stock <laughs> messages? I can tell you a story. Thank God Alice is out there. I should send everything by Alice. She's now fully employed with this other company, so I can't do that. But she's so good at catching things. I just don't see it. It's because of dyslexia. And so I don't see an air that's there. It's blaringly obvious to the world, but I don't see it. So yeah, I mean, that gets to a really great point. How perfect does perfect have to be in your communication? You're selling. You talk about authenticity in your book, how important it is to be authentic. And I mean, does it have to be perfect? And I think that's why people to the point where they kind of get adverse to selling. Yeah. Well, this is where salespeople get sideways too, because they sit there and they say, well, it's not perfect. My pitch isn't perfect or my email's not perfect, or I don't know what I'm going to say perfectly. It's never going to be perfect. And it shouldn't be actually, it should be ever evolving. So in your communication, yes, the basic grammar rules I do believe apply. But we live in an emoji society now, too. And we have to remember that, is that appropriate? Is it not? Is it appropriate to text? There's a lot of rules around that, and every company has their own rules. But all of those things go to creating that brand. And those are all unofficial sales. You bring up a really important part in communications, and that is the boundaries that are needed today's uber sensitive. Mm-hmm. It seems like we send everybody with a, something that seems so innocent. And so it's so easy to get there. One person just wrote us, said, at her website, I want to buy her book. So that's good. It says there is a discount code in there to buy Cindy's book on her site. Is that something that you can share with our listening audience? What we'll do, if you will give me 30 minutes, we will put in uh, Lycan 
as a discount code, and we'll send you a couple of bonus items if you buy the book on the Dr. Cindy website. All right. So there you go, listeners. You do get that. So just give it a few minutes here. She'll go out there and uh, put in the L-Y-K-K-E-N for Licking on Lending here and put that in the website, and you'll get a discount and some bonus material. Love it. This is really good. There are many themes in your book, things that are so relevant to the news and what's going on and generally in life. How can we use all these themes to just live life more? That's really part of the central theme of my book is I want people to be able to use these steps to win at work so that it fuels your life. We all work. We go to work to fuel something outside of work. And my goal is that people are able to do this more effectively now that they recognize they're selling because a lot of people are selling the wrong thing. The problem is they don't realize they're selling. So now knowing the five steps and the fifth step is following up and having that gratitude, you can do it on purpose and you can be more thoughtful about it. And I'm not saying everybody has to sit down and create some grandiose plan, but it's just giving it that five second thought before you hit send on that email. It's pausing before you even respond. Those kinds of things make a huge difference to get you closer to your goal of really being able to win at work, to be able to do more of what you want to do in your life. Yeah. I love that. I mean, with that one little tip that I was reading through, and I'm going, yeah, why don't I say, by the way, just that, oh, by the way, and throw in that one question. Yeah, have you thought about this? Oh, by the way, you're looking at that. Hey, by the way, whatever that service is or the business your industry entered in, is it, oh, by the way, would you be interested in having another conversation? I really enjoyed this conversation, which is the way we're going to end this. Because, oh, by the way, we'd love to have you back. Whereas we're very grateful that you've taken time to be with us. And just a real honor, Dr. Cindy, to get to know you. And I love your book. I recommend it. Every job is a sales job. Again, it's written by McGraw. Hill and a great publisher, well-known, so it's well-written and it flows easy. It's something you can pick up and share with your staff and it's not salesy. I love it. Very, very good. And just wanted to throw out there, I noticed on your website, so you're in Florida still? I'm in San Francisco now, but yeah, Bay Area, but I am basically in whatever airport I'm in that week. So Yeah, exactly. And it's so good. Alan's in Florida, so he is thinking, he was talking to another Floridian, so I know. Yeah, Florida girl at heart, born and raised. Yeah. Good, good, good. So several people saying, I'm ready to buy. I'm ready to buy. How long is it going to take for you to get that, that code put in there? They can go ahead and put in that code right now and we'll follow up with it. Don't you worry. All right. Put the code in. Last name, L-Y-K-K-E-N. Look, and you'll get the discounted material and the additional material as well. So put that in there. Appreciate it so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Cindy, for being here. Very informative, very helpful. And I hope a lot of our listeners will share this interview with you and go out and buy your book great book. It has been an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm such a fan of the show. And so I just appreciate the opportunity to be here. And I can't wait to hear the success stories from your listeners too, as they start to apply those steps. That's my favorite part is when people are like, oh my gosh, it works. And I'm like, yes, that's why I have a job. So I want to hear those success stories. <laughs> Several people say, hey, I want to call her. I've got a couple of questions. How can they reach you? Is you prefer email? Do you have a phone number that you can put out? Absolutely. They're welcome to email me at drcindy at drcindy.com. You can go on any of my social media sites. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and I will get back to you within 24 hours. That is my promise to you, and that's the best way to catch me. That's pretty impressive. Well, Dr. Cindy, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate it. Have a great rest of your week, and look forward to having you back. I had a feeling there's just so much here that we could continue to talk about, and we just could not get to it. So thank you so much. 
I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. Listeners, that wraps up the Hot Topic segment. Be sure to come back here next week. we got Will Robinson and Brandon Young of Encaptured joining us. And a very interesting interview we're going to be having with them. This is something that just, you might say, captured my attention or encaptured my attention. What are we talking about? So you'll enjoy the interview that we'll be doing next week. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, the Lenders One Group, as well as Accelerate Mobility, MMI, Modex, as well as MBA, Knowledge Coop, and the Mortgage Collaborative. Folks, thank you so much for being here. Share this podcast with others. And oh, by the way, have you thought of someone lately you could share this podcast with? Do so. See, we're a learning organization, a learning podcast. We practice what we hear on the podcast. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to have you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.